When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Hey everybody, it's Matthew Collar here. We're talking Vikings football five days a week on Purple Daily, available on Apple, Spotify, and the Score North app, or wherever you find your podcasts. And look, if you're tight on time right now and you can only listen to one segment from today's show, here it is. All right, welcome back into Purple Daily. Matthew Collar and Myron Metcalf. Myron, we have championship games to discuss, but I promised right off the top of the show that we would talk about the path for the Vikings to be playing this weekend next year. And I'm sure that a lot of people just went, <laughs> but, 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 stay, stay with me here. Is there a path to them being in this game next year, Myron? I think there's always a path. Um, and I think it, it involves, you know, the Lions going forward. What's Matthew Stafford's condition? Is he going to be a guy who suddenly succumbs to injuries? I mean, that's a franchise that is always rebuilding. They're not much of a threat. The Bears and Trubisky, you know, I, I don't know that they improve dramatically. And then a Packers team that, you know, has really, I don't want to say stumbled into this, but they, they got a lot of breaks and they won the games they had to win to get in this position but I also think we could be watching a guy in Aaron Rodgers who uh, continues to take some steps back. Um, the way he plays and, and how mobile he's been throughout his career, he's taken a lot of hits. Uh, is he the same guy going forward? But even if he is, the guy we saw this year, that doesn't seem like a team you can't beat, although that defense has been pretty good. So uh, the pass starts with dominating the NFC North, mm-hmm. which I still think it's that's a manageable ambition. Uh, with this team, depending on who who comes back, but they weren't that far off in, in this season. I mean, they had opportunities. I think that's the thing when you think about next season. If they just do what they should have done in 2019, they've got an opportunity. You know, if you just capitalize on those moments that you have to have, you have to beat Matt Moore in the Chiefs. You have to beat Chase Daniel in that situation. Uh, you have to find a way to win when you've given the when the Packers have uh, given up three turnovers and should have had four in the first half. So I, I think it, it starts there. And then I think it also starts with a lot of health. Is Dalvin Cook, uh, is he there and healthy? Assuming he's on the roster, does he give you 16 games? Can Stephon Diggs give you 16? Can Adam Thielen give you 16? Because I think the injuries are a major factor as well. Um, but I think consistency is the biggest word going around. If the Titans collar. If the Titans, okay, if the Titans can start with Marcus Mariota, lose in midseason, replace him with Ryan Tannehill, and somehow end up in the AFC Championship game, uh, nothing seems impossible. Like what that shows to me, what the Titans have done, 
is that you can be an average team, but show up in the big moments and advance to this position. It's not doesn't happen often. Uh, most you're most likely going to lose to the Ravens and the Patriots and teams like that. But you can step up big time down the stretch and really elevate the fortunes of your franchise. So that to me is the path with the Vikings health being consistent, showing up in big moments. And, and, you know, you're going to need some of those breaks as well. But when you get them, you got to capitalize. I think, first of all, you would have to tell me for sure that Stephon Diggs is still on this team. Because I Good don't point. I don't think it's worth uh, just ignoring what happened in week four. I don't think that's a good idea that whatever was under the surface in week four, when he clearly wanted out and decided he wasn't going to show up to practice for two straight days. And then there were rumblings that he had requested a trade that previous summer. And there was the Instagram thing where his brother tweeted out or, or Instagrammed out. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I, I'm not a, Gen, I'm not a Gen Z. I can use these things, grammed but I'm out. still not fluent. It's grammed out. Uh, grammed. Yeah. He grammed a picture yep. of him in the Washington football uniform. And I, I think that there was definitely some lightning where there's thunder there, smoke where there's fire there, when it came to Diggs not being happy with the direction of the team, with Mike Zimmer wanting to be run first, and the fact that they threw the third fewest passes in the NFL, I think he looks at himself like, I should be DeAndre Hopkins. People should be talking about me as the guy who gets 150 targets and 100 plus catches and dominates and is in the Pro Bowl every year. The fact that Stephon Diggs has not made a Pro Bowl yet... I mean, he's that caliber of wide receiver, but he doesn't get the targets. He doesn't get the fantasy numbers to have them. And I look at other athletes, you know, in the NBA where they're saying, you know, I want, I want it to be my team or, or I don't want to play for this team. Like Kyrie Irving wanting to move on to Boston to make it his team because he didn't want to live in the shadow of, you know, LeBron James. Well, you could see Stefan Diggs looking at it the same way and saying, you know, I don't know if I want to play where it's Delvin Cook's team and we run the ball. And if we don't run, we lose. And oh, by the way, the quarterback will never throw into coverage. And yeah. a lot of times he just won't throw anyway. When I watched the film back, there were a few incidents where Stefan Diggs smoked Richard Sherman to the point where you'd be like, retire, Richard, retire. Yeah. But they didn't throw him the ball, so you never saw it. You could only see it on the All-22 tape when you look back and you're like, what did he just do to him? (laughs) But there... I mean, that can only happen so many times to Stephon Diggs where he goes back through the tape and be like, well, that should have been a touchdown. That should have been a touchdown. I murdered that guy. You know, and uh, I, I wonder about his happiness. So I think that the path starts with finding a way to get Stephon Diggs back here and have him not sit out or not demand a trade or whatever his options might be at that point. And then the path from there is... You can actually fill some of these weaknesses and be better without spending a gazillion dollars. Like, you could get an average corner off of the scrap heap and have it be better than what Xavier Rhodes gave you last year. Definitely. And you have to re-sign Anthony Harris, in my mind, in order to be a contender again. And Big you, cap it. And, and it, right, it's going to be, for sure. And that one's uh, exceptionally hard because he's worth... 14 or 15 million dollars based on his performance over the last two years and i don't know how they're going to fit that in even with letting other people go but then it comes down to also you're going to have to draft probably another corner you're going to have to draft a defensive lineman and you have to absolutely get better at the left guard position 
and maybe at the left tackle position. Moving Brian O'Neill over there is a very real possibility of him being the left tackle, and I think you're better off if that's the case than if Riley Reef stays here and continues to play left tackle. So you could put together a roster that is just as competitive as this one and fill a few of the spots, and then... I look around the NFC, Myron. Is there a team next year where you're like, oh, yeah, they're going to be there? No doubt. I mean, 49ers probably aren't going anywhere. (laughs) Seattle, it will be good because of Russell Jameson Winston or Wilson. Shoot. What is his middle name? Uh, His middle name is uh, Jameis. Yeah, I know. Russell Jameis Winston. Winston. No, I don't know what it is. No, but but, I mean, Clown is going to leave. I'll find it. Clown is going to lose Clown. Carrington. Who would have guessed that one? That's interesting. Russell one. Carrington Wilson. Carrington? Carrington. Really? It sounds regal. That's one where you would not tell people in high school. They'd be like, what's, right. your, <laughs> what's your middle name, bro? And you'd be like, ah, uh, Tim. Yeah, when, <laughs> when you got that good hair that he has, though, you can have any middle name you want. People probably still thought he was he was pretty cool. You Could know. be. but uh, So they have Russell C. Wilson. Yes, uh, that's better. That's even better. Yeah, <laughs> I would, yeah Russell uh, C. Wilson is better. The Rams will be okay. They'll be competitive. Arizona's going to be better. Uh, New Orleans might be a one seed next year if Breeze comes back because they still have a ton of talent. But I don't look at it like, oh, man, you, you just this team is going to be out of this world good next year because they have this guy or that guy. Like The quarterback situation in the NFC is kind of weird. You have Wilson on a bad team, and he just raises the level of their play. But then who else? I mean, Breeze yeah. is the other guy. He might retire. And there isn't another quarterback like you would say with Mahomes where – okay, it's Mahomes and everybody else, there isn't that player if Breeze walks away, and even then they beat Breeze in the playoffs. That's kind of your path to get there is, well, you might go into two or three playoff games and not face an elite quarterback because there just aren't that many in the NFC right now. Yeah, but you know, I think that it certainly thinks that looks like the path could be a lot different next year. Uh, You bring up Stephon Diggs. I think you've created a situation where people have every right to look out for themselves. And to want to play for a contender. What you heard Davian Clowney say after their loss, Seattle's loss to Green Bay, is they were saying, hey, what do you want to do next? And he said, look, man, I want to play for a contender. I don't want to get a big contract just to get it and not play for a team that's competing for a Super Bowl. And I think Stephon Diggs may fall into that category, and other guys may go, you know what, is this really the long-term option for me? I just think the locker room, in terms of who's bought in, going forward like how many guys in that locker room have taken this season and felt like and not just this season last season as well and felt like you know what things are going to get better you know i don't know that you've established that and and that's what's going to make me curious in terms of how they make these personnel moves do you pay dalvin cook Uh, yeah um i think they will but but should they I mean, running back value, dude. I mean, it's just really hard to do that. Even if he's special, it's really hard to do that with a bad cap situation. If this was a rookie quarterback contract, I might be like, yeah, pay him. But yeah. it's not. And unless it's going to become that pretty soon, if that's their plan is to move on from Cousins eventually after 2020, then I would say, yeah, actually, I think you do sign him because you'll have a rookie quarterback coming in and you want him to have a great player behind him and you can afford it. You can afford to spend some stupid money because it's like how I don't have kids and you do. So I'm like, $30, $40 on dinner? Who cares? I don't have kids. 
Yeah, I do the same is, thing. This, I spend stupid money, but yeah. Yeah, yeah well, you point. know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. You shouldn't. So, like, yeah, you know, you're right. You're right. It, people with is this, kids. Is this are a like, TED talk well, or a radio interview? I think yeah, that's right. Like intervention. Uh, but but it's like when you don't have kids, you could spend yeah. stupid money on stuff because you don't have to buy diapers or something. Yeah. So it's the same sort of thing. If they're going to move on, that really impacts the way I feel about that decision. If they're going to sign Delvin Cook to or, or Kirk Cousins to an extension, then you can't sign Delvin Cook. Also, I think it just takes up way too much cap space on two players. Man, that's a lot of. I mean, the question becomes. Is he the kind of game-changing back? And I think when healthy and playing to his potential, he can be. He's clearly shown that. But I think earlier in the season, as you know, I was all about paying him. Pay him now. But then when you watched him get banged up and you watched him have moments where it wasn't the same guy and you thought, Mm -hmm. man, is he going to be able to play this way for the next three to four years? Or is his body just going to start to break down as he takes more and more of these hits? Uh, not really the guy necessarily who's going to become more versatile, kind of back like a Christian McCaffrey or something like that. So, man, there are limits on those guys. And when you watch Damian Williams with the Chiefs, who, who I think was a seventh-round pick, I believe. I could be wrong about that. But I think it was a seventh-round pick. And you watch what he does in yeah. that Chiefs offense, and you go, that's ideal, right? If you can get a running back like that, who just is willing to put on the mileage for three years mm-hmm. and, and play at a really high level – that's ideal, but once you invest in the Dalvin Cook, you've got to know that in the next three to four years, you've got to you've got to be making the decision that this guy hasn't peaked yet, right? And that he's three or four years away from doing that. And that, to me, is a hard, hard call, man. Yeah, it is a hard call. And if you have Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback and Andy Reid as your play caller or designer, then you can probably plug in almost anybody back there. Remember when everyone said, oh, without Kareem Hunt, they're just done. Those are the Chiefs. Yeah. They, that offense yeah. can't sustain. And then, you know, they went to the AFC Championship yeah. and should have won if somebody could have lined up onside. That simple. Then they would have won. And Patrick Mahomes would probably have his first Super Bowl ring already. Um, and no one missed Kareem Hunt whatsoever. This offense, when they tried playing without Delvin Cook, it was pretty clear that that was a problem. And with Kirk Cousins, I think he has to have that. He has to have that running back. He has to have the guy he can check down to and he turns uh, a throw that goes three yards behind the line of scrimmage into 20 yards. Because something that I looked at was really fascinated by this year is Cousins had an absurd yards per attempt when throwing behind the line of scrimmage. Eight yards per attempt. To put that into context, last year he averaged four yards per attempt throwing behind the line of scrimmage. And even Case Keenum, when he was throwing screens and stuff to Jarek McKinnon, it was only like five or six yards per attempt. It was an outrageous amount because Delvin Cook kept breaking tackles and being his security blanket there. So it's like you can't really keep both with the amount of money, but one needs the other one pretty badly. And your head coach loves Delvin Cook a lot, and your general manager, the last time he had an opportunity to sign a a running back to a big contract, he took up 20% of the salary cap (laughs) with Adrian Peterson. It was the most outrageous contract probably ever handed out considering positional value. So you have, and, and that's where... I keep wondering, Myron, what the Wilfs think of these two in, in their direction. And if I'm owning this team, i got to hear the plan before they're both coming back for sure. I know they put out the statement before the New Orleans game, where Mike and Rick are coming back. Yeah. But now things look a little bit different in the morning light. So if you wake up and say, 
oh yeah, these guys, they want to give Delvin all the money, but this, you know, but the other guy wants to give Kirk all the money too, and how are we going to have other players on the football team if we spend so much on, on these two who, you know, might be really great at their jobs, but are they good enough to win us a championship? And, you know, and, that, and that's where it becomes very, very difficult. You just want folks, to your point, you want uh, people to be able to make hard decisions. And, and to me, the thing I always hate about football is it's such a good old boys club and it's so built on relationships that you have guys who get opportunities beyond what they should based on feelings. I think the Vikings have to be past that. You can appreciate Mike Zimmer and everything he's done. You can appreciate Spillman and everything he's done and still make the decision that they're not the right guys to lead this team moving forward. And you would be justified in that. I mean, there has been a very solid window with a rich pool of talent that has allowed you to assess whether or not you think these are guys that can take this team to the Super Bowl in the next three to four years. And if you said no, I think everyone would understand that. But it all starts with Kirk Cousins. To me, if you're not moving on from him, if you're not going to play with this guy beyond 2020, you blow the whole thing up. To me, you go in a completely different direction as an organization. You start to hit the rebuild button. You cut all the weight that you can. And you move into 2021 going, we don't have a lot of answers, but this is what happens when you're maybe a young team with a quarterback on a rookie deal. But I feel like this is going to be a team that tries to blend those two worlds. And I think that's very difficult to do without a Mahomes or a Deshaun Watson mm-hmm. or someone like that who can get you to the playoffs as a young quarterback. That, to me, is what they need to happen, all these worlds to come together and to blend perfectly. And we all know that has not been the case uh, in the history of the Vikings to get all those things in their favor. No, it has not. And we'll see what happens here. I think that the possibility is open to this thing becoming very interesting within the next couple weeks of who they bring in as a defensive coordinator, if they make a change there, or if they let Mike Zimmer hire his son as the defensive coordinator. And then you're sort of doubling down on Zimmer saying, no, yeah, we're going to let him do whatever he wants and give him one more chance and then see where this goes from there. Or if they say, no, you know what, actually, you have to bring in someone different. For, for the offensive coordinator or for the defensive coordinator. The defense wasn't good enough, so you need to bring in an outside voice that can actually call the plays. I mean, that that's where I would really love to hear these conversations if they're saying, wait, you're... Okay, Mike and Rick, your plan is to just run it back. So, you know, this didn't really work the last few times. So we need to do X, Y, and Z. Or if they're saying, hey, you guys know what you're doing. You've won a lot of football games. So you guys figure it out. And then we'll fire you if it doesn't work next year. Or we'll give you a lifetime contract if it does. So, uh, you know, that will be interesting to see. Even we'll get our first indication of how they're thinking by who's hired as offensive and defensive coordinator. And that probably happens within the next few weeks. Uh, let's talk about these games, Myron. Tennessee, Kansas City. If Tennessee wins, I think it will be one of the biggest upsets of all time, considering who the quarterback is for the Kansas City Chiefs. It'll, it'll be the biggest, for sure. And you would have a Titans team that somehow ran through uh, all of the greats. Uh, Titans team that beat the Patriots, the Ravens, and now the Chiefs. That, to me, would be one of the more remarkable upsets in Sports history, especially considering where they've come. In midseason, no one saw them even maybe being a playoff team to this point. And and you're right, Mahomes, if you go from being down 24-zip and you win and you lose to the Titans, the sixth seed, uh, that would be a tremendous upset, especially at home. But weird things have been happening in the AFC throughout the playoffs with the Titans. 
So who knows? I mean, the Texans should have won that game. Like, uh, you yeah. shouldn't be up 24-0 and somehow lose, right? That was a Bill O'Brien special. They scored too fast. It just, it's just, <laughs> I don't know. I think the Chiefs will win, but I won't be shocked if something crazy happens. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I would, but the way that Ryan Tannehill has been playing, he hasn't been playing like just an average quarterback or it's something. Great. He's been unbelievable. <laughs> he led the NFL in quarterback rating and was Pro Football Focus's highest rated, highest rated quarterback in the entire league through the time that he played, which is really crazy. I, I always thought, Myron, that Tannehill was better than what he was doing in Miami because, yeah. I mean, even... In uh, 2017, after that season was over, he was among the candidates that I wrote about. Hey, should the Vikings look at this guy because he's been playing for this garbage team and you know his coach is a fool and they don't know what they're doing and maybe you could make him better in Minnesota. I did not expect him to be this good. So it ultimately always comes down to, even when you have Derrick Henry, how well your quarterback plays. And I don't know how much longer this roller coaster is going to ride with Ryan Tannehill, but it could certainly keep going where he's just flat out excellent and accurate and can make plays and they set up their play actions brilliantly to get people open. And AJ Brown's an unbelievable rookie wide receiver. Like it could keep happening. They're very strong, but in Kansas City against Mahomes, even if you get up on them, it doesn't seem to matter. Like this could be a great battle between these two teams, but Mahomes is going to go to his first Super Bowl, I think. He better, because I tell you what, Mahomes is young. He's going to get a big deal, and and he'll have other opportunities. But if you're Andy Reid and you can't beat the sixth seed when everyone assumed you'd have to go to Baltimore to advance to the Super Bowl, and you might have a chance to face a San Francisco team with sort of an unproven quarterback, an aging corner, a really good team, but a team that hasn't been there before, not this group at least, or the the Green Bay Packers, a team that – you already have a win against a team that has an aging quarterback. It's looked good, obviously, but if you're Andy Reid and you don't win this now, Collar, then win, man. When yeah. do you get the next yeah. opportunity? No, you're right. And uh, this is a team that is pretty stocked with playmakers and their defense is playing pretty well. You know, they got down 24 nothing, but some of that was just silly mistakes and then you know the way Tyron Matthew has been playing, he's been maybe the most valuable defensive player since what? Midway through the, the season, the I mean, he's been incredible. And Amazing. The, what I love about Twitter is that there are a lot of guys I follow who do film breakdowns who have just been marveling at what he did last week against Houston in the second half of that game, just shutting down the Houston offense single-handedly. There was um, a play where he faked a blitz, dropped back in coverage, took away Deshaun Watson's first target and his second target. Yes, I'm glad and you then saw that. forced Deshaun Watson to scramble out of bounds. I was like... Is that four people or one? Because you shouldn't be (laughs) allowed to do that on one play. Yeah, he has freakish football instincts and football IQ, and I've always rooted for him. I always wanted to see him succeed because of what happened in college, and he was such an exciting player to watch, and he's turned out to be a great NFL player. Uh, Green Bay and San Francisco, hard to see Green Bay doing anything but what they did the last time they played San Francisco, (laughs) right? I mean, San Francisco's defensive line is just so good that they dominate everything you want to do, and that's what the Vikings ran into. And what Mike Zimmer said, we ran into a buzzsaw. I think that's what he's referring to, is that that defensive line, with D Ford back and they're healthy and they have four or five guys who are playing at a really high level, I just have a tough time seeing Aaron Rodgers pulling out enough magic to even keep that game close. 
Yeah, there, there's only there's only one scenario that makes sense, and it's not Aaron Rodgers cutting up that team or Aaron Jones somehow having a big day. It's three or four early takeaways yes. that you convert yes. into touchdowns. It's it's that to me is the only you know a couple of Garoppolo fumbles, uh, interception or two, and at least two of those you convert into touchdowns, and you do what the Titans did to go up big early uh, against the Ravens. Like to me that. Is is the only, I'm not saying the Titans had turnovers; those were big plays they made. But you take that early lead against a team like San Francisco, and maybe you kind of get them on their heels a little bit because they're kind of playing with this whole "we're supposed to be there" kind of thing. So a little adversity could change them. But other than that, this could be one of those you know 42 to 21 kind of games against the Green Bay, Green Bay Packers, and that 21 could be reached in the final minute when the game's already been decided kind of thing. The thing I think about all the time is what answers do you have if things go wrong? And I think what we saw from San Francisco last week against the Vikings is that even when Jimmy G, and he made some throws early, but even when Jimmy G isn't perfect and he makes a terrible interception throwing it to Eric Hendricks, that they have another answer, and that answer is being able to run the ball and yeah. being creative on offense. So they, they just have answers for everything, and they have such a strong defense at this point. Richard Sherman playing at an extremely high level still, and it's just hard for me to see it. If Green Bay pulls it off, what a kick in the nether regions for Vikings fans. <laughs> Feeling like they should have beat Green Bay twice, and then they end up in the Super Bowl. That would be um, not fun, not fun. But Minnesota fans, they're used to it. Like they, they, Definitely, they, this is what they know. They've got the calluses built up. So, uh, Myron, always great stuff to catch up with you. I appreciate your time, and uh, we'll keep doing this for a while this offseason, right? Sounds good, definitely, man. All right, sounds good. Okay, so if you missed any of the show, go to wherever you get your podcast. Just type in Purple Daily. Or if you just have an old PC, just go to scorenorth.com, S-K-O-R-North.com, and you can listen to all the shows on your PC as well. What a world it is. All right, we will catch you next week to talk about the Super Bowl matchup when I see you again on Monday. Thanks for listening to Purple Daily. Coming up next is Mackie and Judd with Rami here on Score North. If you own a small to medium-sized business that kept employees on payroll through COVID, you may have a big cash refund waiting for you. The Employee Retention Credit is a tax credit of up to $26,000 per employee. And now, more businesses than ever qualify. The experts at RefundsPro.com specialize in cutting through the red tape of qualifying for this government program. Most of their refunds are over $100,000. Even businesses that have received PPP funds may be eligible. And there are absolutely no fees unless you receive a refund. So there's no reason not to apply. If your business experienced shutdowns, limited capacity, supply chain challenges, or reduced revenue due to COVID, you likely qualify. RefundsPro.com has already helped hundreds of businesses. So don't lose the refund you're owed by missing the deadline. Get started today with a free 5-minute questionnaire at RefundsPro.com. That's Refunds with an S, Pro.com. This is Claudia's O'Reilly Auto Parts story. I had just moved to a new city and barely even knew where the grocery store was yet. When my car wouldn't start one morning, I didn't know who to ask about local shops. But I remembered a name from back home, O'Reilly Auto Parts. I called and they pointed me to a great mechanic just down the street. Now, I feel a little more at home. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.